Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 140. This episode is brought to you by Squilt. Do you want to give your children a truly beautiful music education, but don't know where to start? The Squilt Live community is a vibrant group of children and parents who are learning tremendous amounts about composers, music history, music theory, instruments, and much more. Did you ever wonder what Squilt stands for? It's actually super quiet, uninterrupted listening time. You can let Mary Prather from Squilt teach for you or check out her self-guided resources to do it yourself. Learn more at 41more.com forward slash squilt. That's S-Q-U-I-L-T. Welcome to episode 140. Today I'm going back into the archives and finding the best episodes I would recommend for you to listen to if you're homeschooling younger kids. One of the my most favorite parts of doing this podcast is interviewing some really interesting people in the homeschool world. So if you are homeschooling younger kids, if you have friends who are just thinking about starting homeschooling and you kind of want to give them a like just this really beautiful idea of what homeschooling can be like. And also I think what these people had to share is also going to help relieve some of the fear and trepidation that new homeschooling moms can can feel a lot of the times as we get started because it does feel overwhelming but it doesn't need to. So in this episode, I'm going to pull a little tip or two from older episodes I did with some really great guests. And of course, if you like what you hear, go back and listen to the full episodes. I'll let you know what number it is, and I'll also link to them all in the show notes. And of course, you can find today's show notes at 41more.com forward slash 140. So for this first clip, I went back to episode 86, where we chatted with Ainsley Arment, who is the founder of Wild and Free, and she wrote the book, The Call of the Wild and Free, Reclaiming Wonder in Your Child's Education. If you have young children, even if you're not homeschooling yet, or if you're thinking about homeschooling, I would say get her book and read through it, even if you don't adopt every single educational philosophy and practice she espouses, it's going to give you a really good kind of foundation to start building your own ideas of what homeschooling can be for your kids. And I think it really gives you some great ideas for breaking out of this factory model education that most of us have been through. So there are lots of... um, actionable ideas and then even philosophical um, thoughts that Ainsley shares in our original episode, number 86. But I just wanted to pull out two really great tips from that conversation. And the first one, she explains how being outside really was a great foundation for her kids, especially in the younger years. And those of you with babies and toddlers who are like, well, how are we going to do school with the babies and toddlers getting into everything and needing my attention? I think what Ainsley shares here might be a really good solution for 
you. See what you think. The school of nature is the idea that nature really is um, the best classroom. You can learn um, so much just from observing the, the, the nature, the, the birds in your backyard, listening to the different songs, um, listening to the leaves and the tree branches sway. Um, it's very grounding for us physically and, and, and emotionally. But, um, but more than that, um, it's, it's a time where kids can explore. If we want to, our kids to, for their minds to develop, and learn, they have to move their bodies outdoors. Um, there's a wonderful book called Balanced and Barefoot, and I'm not going to remember the author's name off the top of my head, but um, it's a great um, book to delve down that road of just how much our brains need our bodies to move, and they need to do that outdoors. Um, and there are um, there are crucial ways that they need to, kids need to develop um, being outside. Um, studies show that kids always are less stressed outdoors. They get along better outside, whether it's siblings or friends, um, kids with, um, more learning challenges or special needs, ADHD, autism, they all do better outdoors. Um, well, when I brought my son home and we homeschooled that first year, um, it went really smoothly and we spent a lot of times outside. I had three little boys, so we would go to parks and they would play or we would go on little hikes around the lake nearby. Um, and then the second year we added a new baby to the mix. So I now had a baby that did not want me to put her down ever. So sitting down in the morning and all my visions of candlelight poetry readings and conversation and morning journals, um, that wasn't able to happen in the same way that it happened in the year before and now I had a toddler running around and a baby on my hip. So instead of sitting down at the table, we went outside first thing. And we spent the first half of the day playing outside. And it didn't matter. We didn't even have to drive anywhere. It could have just been in our pajamas on the sidewalk, um, picking dandelions or in the backyard, building a fort out of fallen branches and blankets. And sometimes we'd lay a blanket and read books and have snacks. And sometimes that was school for the day. And the, I, we just, I just saw my kids thriving. We weren't able to do the, the full day that I had planned of tablework and books and all of those things indoors, but my kids were thriving more than ever being outdoors. And we did that because the baby was happy outside and, um, we, I move, I didn't have to sit still and try to keep a baby calm. You know, I could put her on my back or, um, hold her or lay her on a blanket. So, um, the outdoors became a refuge and it became a place that we could all learn and explore and thrive and play together. So that's just a personal story of how nature became important, um, in our, in our culture. Now, here's one more short clip from Ainsley that I also wanted to share because I think it will help those of you who are worried that your children are behind, especially if you're pulling them out of public school and you say, well, I have to do things the way public school has done it or else my kids are going to fall behind. And Ainsley shares some studies with you and some research that really shows, no, they're actually not going to be behind if you let them learn at their own pace. So listen to what she had to say about that topic. 
That's helpful. Now, I know the next one, you talk about the pedagogy of play and you mentioned in your book and I, when I read this, I thought, yeah, I've seen this too where the moms of two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, they're worried about the academics. They want to get started really early. Why do you say that it's actually better late than early? What does that mean? Yeah, you know, um, there's um, a book by Dr. Raymond Moore from a couple decades ago and um, I believe the title was um, Better Late Than Early. But the idea of better late than early is simply that when kids are ready, they learn. And usually, even if, even if you missed it, even if you were like, oh, no, it should have been earlier. It should have been six months earlier, like we could really know. But even if, the later kids learn, the faster they learn. And so that has been proven time and time again with studies um, Peter Gray has um, some studies cited in his book, Free to Learn. And there's uh, other research that you can find on um, all across um, educational journals and books that are out. Um, but when kids are, are, their brains are mature and all the connections are formed that haven't been formed early on, um, they learn exponentially faster. So the idea of giving kids a childhood and helping them learn slowly at their own pace. It's not that we're keeping them back, but we're just letting them kind of lead the way with their readiness. Um, we're not, we're not holding them back. Um, we're just allowing those connections in their brain to form a little tighter and it makes it all the more easier for them to learn. There's even statistics on, um, there's one study that I think this is the one that Peter Gray cited in his book about two groups of kids where they didn't do any formal learning math, grammar, um, anything in this one group until middle school. And the other group just got taught normally through the traditional sense of each year repeating the grammar because kids forget it. They don't retain it. So they have to keep keeping teaching it every year. And um, by the time both groups were in sixth grade, the, um, the group that hadn't been taught formally um, were about on par in the grammar um, as the other kids, but they were behind in the math. But within three months, the kids were ahead of the kids that had gone through the traditional schooling of math and classes and the repetition. So they not only caught up, but they were now ahead of the other kids simply by having those connections form and learning so quickly. So for this next clip, we went back to episode 62, where we had on as a guest Connor Boyack. Now, many of you may know Connor from his really popular children's series, The Tuttle Twins, but I'm guessing some of you might not know that he also writes books for adults, and you definitely want to get your hands on a copy of Passion Driven Education, How to Use Your Child's Interests to Ignite a Lifelong Love of Learning. In this clip, you'll hear Connor kind of elaborate on some of the points of his book, which really is that your children are born with an inherent curiosity. Kids really do love to learn. And so it's up to us as parents to make sure we don't school it out of them. Here's what Connor had to say. So um, I've spoken at a lot of homeschool conferences over the years, and this book was kind of born out of a presentation that I started developing for that audience. And my observation, I used to be on our state's homeschool uh, education association and uh, been very involved in the homeschool community. 
my observation has been that a lot of parents, especially those who are kind of quote unquote homeschooling during the COVID crisis, um, they're, they're replicating school in the home. They are literally home schooling. And, um, I, there are a lot of pluses with that. Um, especially with how toxic some of the school environments can be simply removing a child from those environments has its upsides. But I do think that the schooling structure itself creates a lot of complications. And I'll, I'll put it this way for myself as a father of more than one child, I know that my children are different and any parent of more than one child knows that their children are much different. They are interested in different things. They learn in different ways. They're motivated uh, and respond to different things. They're more um, attentive to certain kinds of discipline than, you know, the other child. And as a father, I don't want to imprint onto my children society's expectations of who they should be, right? Some faceless curriculum committee or board of education said, you know, all children must learn these things by this date in this order. And that's what we're going to, you know, put all the kids on a conveyor belt in this industrial education schooling system. And you will all be molded and imprinted in the same way. As a father, I don't want that for my children. I don't want them to be a cog in some machine. I don't want to, to imprint on them as a template, like a blank slate, who others think they should be. I believe that my children come kind of prepackaged, if you will, with their own personalities and you know destinies and life uh, motivations and what they are kind of uh, going to focus on. I instead, as a father, rather than imprinting something else onto them, I feel it's my duty to help them discover who they are, what their unique mission is in life. And clearly, I want to support them and provide them the necessary, you know, uh, tools and critical thinking and education to help them in that journey. But what that means is it inherently looks different for different children. Um, you know, some children might res- uh, be interested in going down a totally different path than another child. And if you make them all sit in a chair, whether in a homeschool or a public school or whatever, and learn the same things at the same time, we miss out, they miss out on more quickly discovering who they are, on being able to develop their strengths and pursue their life mission uh, to the fullest extent that they might otherwise be with a little bit of educational freedom. So obviously, this kind of lends itself better to a homeschooling environment where you have the time, the capacity, the freedom to be able to make those adjustments. But I've seen in my life the benefits that come from having that education freedom. And it's something as a father that I want for my children. And so this is kind of the model that we've pursued to facilitate that. On episode 133, we chatted with Dr. Kathy Cook, who is the author of the book, The Eight Great Smarts. And I loved reading this book because this also has some information that as you're starting to homeschool, you have to realize this about your kids. Everyone is smart, but we're smart in different ways. And this is going to really relieve a lot of the frustration you can have, especially when you have multiple kids and they're not all learning. You know, you you say to your one child, like, your brother didn't have trouble with this last year. Why are you giving me trouble with this? Why can't you understand it? Or even if you have one child and they're a different, you know, they have different smarts than you, it will, this will so help you be able to navigate the ways we're all different and actually celebrate the ways your children are smart. 
Right. No, I'd love to, Abby. In fact, I imagine there are listeners who have chosen to homeschool their kids because the system wasn't working for them. And, and I really respect that. And as a former teacher in the public school system, it's impossible when you have as many kids as, as you have to individualize and to, to make it known. So there are kids all the time who say to me, no, Dr. Kathy, I'm not smart. My brother's the smart one. And they'll say, I'm creative. Or they might say I'm talented, or they might say that I, I like music, or they might say I'm good at soccer. And then I get to say, well, the reason you're good at those things is because of how you're smart. And at the beginning of my assemblies, if I do a, a Christian school chapel or a youth group presentation in a church, and I'll talk about all eight, I'll have kids look at me and go, no, I, I don't have any of those. I'm not smart. And then at the end, 30 minutes later, when I simply say to them, now raise your hand only for your top four, because you know your parents who are watching are going to be curious about what you think of yourself. And I've had kids say, no, but I have all eight. And I like, I know, but I just want to know what you think your top four are. So we go from 30 minutes of thinking, you know, I'm not smart to all of a sudden knowing that I am. So in the homeschool community, we can celebrate their uniquenesses and we can teach according to how they're smart. And we can review with the different smart. If we introduce something with word smart on a Monday and they don't get it, we can have them draw on a Tuesday, which is the use of picture smart. And then they get it because we have the freedom. We don't have a time clock. You know, we're not... We're not as concerned with those kinds of things. And so what's interesting, one more thing, Abby, is that the word smart, I call it a power word. When children know they're smart, they're willing to study and learn. If kids don't think they're smart, they don't think studying will help. I used to think, well, if you don't think you're smart, you'll study more. Like, no, if I don't think I'm smart, studying won't help. And so not arrogantly, I'm smarter than you are. No, that would be sin and pride and inappropriate. But to ask your kids, how do you think you're smart? Well, mommy, I'm really good at like drawing out people. Like when I have a conversation and somebody's kind of quiet, mommy, but I get them to talk. So maybe I'm people smart. Like that can change your child's perspective about not just themselves, but about God who created them that way. And finally, let's wrap up with a little trip down memory lane to episode 21 and our conversation with Jamie Erickson, who wrote the book Homeschool Bravely, How to Squash Doubt, Trust God, and Teach Your Child with Confidence. Well, here's the secret that most in traditional schools don't want you to know. Um, And I'm letting the cat out of the bag. As a certified teacher, I went to school and was trained, but you know, what they teach you at teacher's college is really just how to control a herd. Yes. You know, that, that takes up the majority of your training. And, yes. and as a homeschool mom, you don't really have a herd. So I think what it really boils down to is that, number one, no one knows your child better than you do. And nobody loves your child more than you do. And those two things alone more than equip you to do a great job. And I also think we have to remind ourselves, we've been teaching our children since the day they were handed to us. You know, who taught them how to walk? Who taught them how to eat? Who taught them how to talk? We often negate that and and think in our head that that doesn't count as real Mm -hmm. teaching and that, you know, we end up making it so much harder than it needs to be because we want to quantify teaching and make it this bigger thing. Really all teaching is, is modeling how to learn, yeah. And then also supplying some great resources that your kids can lean into and learn from. And, yes. and the other key that I think most moms 
need to remember is that you don't have to teach all the stuff. In fact, it's impossible for anybody to teach all there is to know. And that includes all those other guys in the school system down the street. Your goal is not to teach all the things. Mm -hmm. Your goal is to ignite a passion to want to learn Mm -hmm. all the things. And once you, you really set them on a good path of, of learning to read, then mm-hmm. they can read to learn. And then the sky's the limit. They can learn whatever it is that their heart desires. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you found this to be helpful and that you'll share it with a friend. Remember, you can find each full episode by going to 41more.com forward slash 140 and I'll link to all of them there. You definitely want to go back and listen to them if you missed them the first time around. Thanks for joining us today. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.